Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Let's do our confession. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know we have a lot of mature believers here. and We have ministers here, but sometimes I think we need to go back to the basics so that we can relearn some things and teach others who need to know what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this is part two. And by way of introduction, uh, last week we talked about how Jesus told his followers to wait for the promise of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before they went anywhere or did anything in his name. Luke twenty four forty nine. I'll be using the King James Version throughout today. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm already charged up, so just, uh, you know, pray for me. Amen. I need to stay here, not in the stratosphere. Hallelujah. He said, wait in the city of Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you get the power. That word there, wait until you're endued with power. That word endued means to slip into a set of clothing, to sink into the clothing of the Holy Spirit. It's very similar to the concept of baptism, which is immersion or sinking into some medium like water or the Holy Spirit. So he said, wait in Jerusalem until you sink in the powerful clothes that the Holy Ghost has for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and also verse 8. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Go on down to verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. That word there, power, is the Greek word dunamis. It means explosive, dynamite power. You shall receive explosive, dynamite power, power to do miracles. And so, by the way, don't go anywhere or do anything until you get the explosive, miracle, working power of God operating in your life. Amen? So we're going to go through quite a lengthy passage here in Acts chapter 2 to get a flavor of the day of Pentecost. So just hang on. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. 
Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Amen. That's why it drew a crowd. All these people from all over the known world were there in the city for the festival of Pentecost, and all of a sudden they heard 120 believers speaking their language, talking about the marvelous, wonderful works of God. So naturally it drew a crowd. And they basically said, what is this all about? What is all this? And verse uh, 12 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Amen. But Peter said, This is that. I already talked about that earlier. Verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. If you continue reading in the passage, you'll see that Peter preached that they were the ones, the people of Jerusalem, who called for the crucifixion of Jesus. But after He was crucified, God raised Him from the dead. And after He was glorified, He sat at the right hand of God and poured out the Holy Spirit, which He said, you now see and hear. Amen? Praise God. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Did you hear that? It was Jesus who poured out the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one who fulfilled the promise of the prophet Joel. Amen. So if Jesus is the baptizer, let me get on my Holy Ghost soapbox for just a minute. If Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, those who oppose the Holy Ghost are stiff-arming Jesus himself. You're basically saying, Jesus, I don't want what you have for me. And that's not a good place to be, amen? I want what Jesus wants me to have. I want all the power that He has for me, amen? Don't resist the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If Jesus wants you baptized in the Holy Ghost, trust me, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Don't give me your theological arguments. Don't tell me what pastor so-and-so says. Don't tell me what elder so-and-so says. What does the Bible say? And what would Jesus say if He was standing before you right now? He'd say, born-again believer, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you need to be talking in tongues. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Peter urges his fellow countrymen to receive what Jesus was so lavishly pouring out on their behalf. Verse 38. 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, as long as one of us apostles is still alive. Wait a minute. That's not in there, is it? I'm here to tell you, it goes like this. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is unto you. And there is no statute of limitations on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, at least not in this age. If he was baptizing people in the Holy Ghost back then, we're in the same church age. He is baptizing people in the Holy Ghost now. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo! Praise the Lord. So what happens to you when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? By the way, as you probably have determined, <laughs> determined, I prefer Holy Ghost over Holy Spirit. I don't know, it just has a nice Pentecostal flavor to it. You know what I'm saying? When you say things like, these are not drunk as you suppose, they're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It it rhymes, it's just better, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of ways to look at what happens to you in types and shadows when you get born again and when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, but... This is the way the Lord showed me, and it just helped me to understand. Now, I have a Ph.D. in micro and nano systems engineering, but that doesn't mean that I'm smart in every subject, especially when it comes to the Bible. So I told the Lord, just make it simple, Lord. I want a simple way of looking at it so that when people ask me, what happens to me when I get born again? What happens to me when I get filled with the Holy Ghost? I want something simple that they can understand, and this is what the Lord showed me. Hallelujah. He said, let's begin with the fundamental truth that water is often used in the Scriptures as a type of the Holy Spirit. With that in mind, there are some types we can look at in the Scriptures that give us a basic understanding of what happens to you when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about wells of salvation. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. This is such a rich verse. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen. Amen. Now, if you dig a little deeper into Isaiah 12 and you go back to Isaiah 11, Isaiah 11 talks about the root of Jesse who would come and be the Savior of the world and one day would rule over all of the world. So the subject leading into chapter 12 is the root of Jesse. Remember, Jesse was the father of David and Jesus was the descendant of David. So we're talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. In verse 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Listen to this. We're still thinking about the root of Jesse. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He also is become my salvation. He came to the earth. He paid the price so that you could be saved, born again, 
filled with the Spirit. Amen? Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. When you get born again, God deposits a well of salvation on the inside of you, and you become a new creation in Christ. Amen? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen? All right, John chapter 4, verse 9 through 14. The woman at the well, very familiar story to most of us. Verse 9 says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There it is again, a well of salvation deposited into the heart of the believer. But here's the cool thing. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, what's in you starts to come out of you. Amen. Amen. This is perfectly illustrated in the miracle of changing water to wine at the wedding feast of Cana. Now, hang on. I am going to get into some numbers, and I have done some math, but thank God I did it for you already. Amen. John chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. And there were set there six water pots of stone. Let me say right away. I believe these water pots are types of human beings. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says that we have this treasure of the Spirit of God in earthen vessels. Amen. These stone pots were clay vessels. They were earthen vessels that were baked and they were hard as stone. But they were empty. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. That's very interesting because the water that went in these stone pots was for the outward ceremonial cleansing, which was a type of the cleansing from sin. So after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. What the heck is a firkin? Well, it turns out the firkin is an old English unit of volume. It's, it's uh, nine imperial gallons per firkin. Okay, so you do the math. And that means that these stone pots, depending on whether they were the two or the three firkin kind, contain 18 to 27 gallons of water. And if you figure in the density of water, that's 140 to 225 pounds of water in these stone pots, not counting the weight of the stone pots themselves. And I used to teach probability and statistics at the college level at Louisiana Tech University, and so I know a little bit about probability and statistics. So I looked up the statistical range of weight of a human being, including men and women, and it was 140 to about 225 pounds. So I said, this is a perfect type of the human being. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus says unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they fill them up 
to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Amen. Hear me out. Let me break it down for you. The miracle of changing water to wine is an excellent type, quote unquote, of salvation and of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hear me out. Jesus fills the previously empty vessels and deposits a well of salvation in each of them. Jesus then changes the water to wine. Water is changed to wine. Wine is just water with a little extra zing, right? You could say it's living water. It's bubbly, you know. So Jesus changes the water to living water, which is a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then, listen, he instructs the servants to draw out that living water and take it to the governor of the feast. Why is that? So that the governor can taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get born again, there's a well of salvation deposited on the inside of you. When you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, that well becomes a geyser and water starts coming out of you so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's not just ordinary water. It's living water. It's rivers of living water. Streams of the Spirit of God, the life-giving Zoe power of God starts coming out of you amen Amen. glory to God that's pretty easy to see isn't it amen hallelujah whoo glory John 7 37 through 39 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water What is that all about? Verse 39 tells us, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen? So he's basically saying, if you believe on me, there's coming a time when what's on the inside of you will start coming out of you in rivers of living water. Amen? So that not only you benefit... Others around you get splashed on and they experience the power of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm ready to take a lap. There's too many obstacles. Amen. Glory to God. Hang with me for just a little while longer. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In every instance in the book of Acts where people got baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, it is either explicitly stated or it can be inferred from the context that they all spoke with other tongues. Let's start with the upper room, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We just read it. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Then you go to the Samaritan believers in Acts chapter 8. 
Starting at verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw, who was previously a sorcerer, we find out earlier, And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So Simon basically tries to buy the power of God, so that when he lays hands on somebody, they'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? But he's rebuked by Peter. Verse 20, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, Because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Amen. So there must have been some outward sign that Simon observed that convinced him that when Peter and John laid hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And he wanted to reproduce the same effect when he laid hands on people. Amen. Well, the answer can be found in verse 21 if you look at this in the original language. The word there that is translated matter actually is the Greek word logos. It means words or speech. So you could actually read this like this. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter of speech, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. It was the speaking in other tongues that convinced him they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, it does not specifically say that Paul spoke in tongues when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I know that he did because in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen, the apostle Paul said this, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Amen. Let's talk about the household of Cornelius. Now, remember, through a vision, Cornelius was instructed by the Lord to send for Peter. And he said, when Peter comes, he will give you words whereby you and your house can be saved. So Peter's there with the household of Cornelius, and he begins to preach to them. And the Holy Ghost gets a little impatient with the preacher. And it says here in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Amen. Glory to God. Let's talk about the Ephesian believers. Acts chapter 19 verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen. Glory to God. So those are all five occasions in the book of Acts where people got baptized with the Holy Ghost. So you can see that it's either explicitly stated 
or can be inferred with a little bit of Bible research that they did indeed speak with other tongues. Amen. So I don't want to be dogmatic and say that people have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because be honest with you, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but it was three months later before I really realized how to yield to what was already in me. So I don't want to be dogmatic and say you have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I will say this, though. It really is the only way the rest of us will know for sure that you are. Like I said, I'm not going to be dogmatic because it was three months lag time for me. There's somebody in the congregation, I'm not going to point you out, but they went for like seven years without praying in tongues after they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I laid hands on them, and he took off in tongues. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's wrap it up there, and we'll pick it up next Sunday with a more detailed explanation of why God wants every believer talking in tongues. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.